Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Today's episode is brought to you by West Holm. We all know from home cooks to restaurant chefs to eating enthusiasts that the quality of your ingredients makes all the difference, especially when it comes to meat. West Holm, which is based in Queensland in the Northern Territory, Australia, is working with the land to create nature-led Australian Wagyu. They steward 16 million acres of rangeland, guided by the natural ecosystem where their cattle thrive. The result is high-quality Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of Northern Australia and a flavor suited to complement any cuisine. West Holm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholm.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash saver. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code. A lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant. AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash codeassistant. IBM. Let's create. Hello and welcome to Saver Production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about habaneros. Yes. Oh. Oh. <laughs> As you all know, I love peppers. Mm-hmm. I love spicy things. Mm-hmm. Early in quarantine, I was just eating habaneros whole. I was dipping them in hot sauce for lunch. Like raw habaneros. Yeah. Okay. Yes, with some jalapenos mixed in there. Too. Oh, all right. Well, I wouldn't want you to sound <laughs> weird. So cool. That's, yeah. Um, Thank you. I'm glad I don't sound weird. <laughs> Never. <laughs> I really do think it's the running thing. I think it's the runner's high. Because uh, I'm not running anymore. And I used to run every day. Yeah. And so now this pepper thing yeah, is you my just, kind of adrenaline. You need some kind of adrenaline push, sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, you... Well, you were already watching. Would you say that you stepped up your consumption of the horror genre over the course of quarantine, or is it about equal? I would say I stepped it up, but at the same time, I've really exhausted the things that actually scare me. Oh, sure. (laughs) It's a lot of horror movies that I, I often enjoy, but I don't 
legitimately feel <laughs> they're, fear during. <laughs> they're not. They're not frightening. It's not the adrenaline rush. It's just the kind of silliness. You're in it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I have been using habaneros in a uh, hole in that oxtail stew oh, recipe that I mentioned. Yeah. Mm. yeah. You're supposed to use a scotch bonnet, but I have trouble finding those, and habaneros are often suggested as a substitute mm-hmm. for them. Sure. Um, and normally, it works out totally fine for me. But one time, I remember very vividly, I was watching Arrival, and <laughs> I I it was near the beginning of the movie, and I got a super hot one, and I must have, like, downed eight glasses oh. of water very quickly. Uh-huh. I know that's not, like, the best thing in terms of alleviating <laughs> the heat. no. No. But it's all I had, Lauren. And I was miserable until about the end of the movie. Both because of the heat, but also because of the water. I was just so full. Oh, just bloated. Yeah, sure, yeah. sure. Oh, <laughs> Yes. I also learned, researching this, uh, that, yeah, the Scotch bonnet, which is related to the habanero, mm-hmm. is named after the resemblance it has to the traditional Scottish hat. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, that so I, just I, makes more sense than I suppose I thought it would. It does to me too. It's another one of those things where I'm I'm not entirely sure why I never questioned it was called that. <laughs> uh, but I did it. I was just like, yes, that's a Scotch bonnet. It's a Scotch bonnet, sure. <laughs> okay. Oh. And then I am growing my own shishitos. Oh, They're yay. coming in. They're yeah. so cute. They're so <laughs> cute. Oh my gosh. I I do. I'm like oh at you and then I eat you <laughs> and you're delicious <laughs> that's my that's my favorite part about gardening yes when you're like oh look at the cute little oh it's so sweet <laughs> yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. oh the, the, but what I realized is the problem and maybe this won't be a problem for long is they um they're all coming in at very different times so it's like I'm eating one shishito pepper at a time yeah yeah it's not like a full-on crop yeah right Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that does tend to happen with a with 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 a lot of individual pepper plants. In order to get a true like dish of shishitos, you would need multiple plants um, or a freezer. I mean, one or the other. Uh, but yeah, I'm not currently growing any hot peppers. Um, I usually am. I we. <laughs> We had a we had a roommate misunderstanding uh, oh, no. during the quarantine where various people thought that various other people were watering the plants and the plants were not being watered at all. So we had we had a number of casualties from that, and the uh, current pepper plant was one of them. But oh dear, yeah, it happens. It happens. Those roommate misunderstandings. <sighs> <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. There there are other pepper plants out there. We're gonna we're gonna get it going again. Yes, the more pepper plants in the sea. Um, <laughs> you uh, listeners can check out our related episodes on jalapenos, mm-hmm. uh, Louisiana-style hot sauces, and sriracha. And I feel like we've done some other related things, but those were the ones that came to, to mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess that brings us to our question. Yes. Habaneros. What are they? Well... 
The habanero is the fruit of a type of chili pepper plant, botanical name uh, Capsicum chinense. They grow on uh, smallish flowering shrubs that might reach uh, up to four feet in height, a little bit over a meter. They're semi-tropical, not frost-hardy, but will come back year after year, and one plant can produce a lot of peppers slowly over the course of a season. That fruit ranges from uh, from pale to deep green as it's growing, and then uh, once it's mature, it will ripen to anywhere from like a pale yellow to a bright orange to a deep red to even a purpley black. Um, there are a, a bunch of varietals, and and they're they're pretty small, just a couple inches in length, maybe up to five centimeters, and more like a chunky and rumpled looking than than lots of a uh, smoother, more more elongated peppers. <laughs> Sounds like a bit of a backhanded insult, Lauren. I... <laughs> no! They're smoother, cousins. <laughs> <laughs> I love a chunk. If there is anything that my history of internet liking uh, can prove to you, it's that I think chunky things are great. <laughs> Pun not intended, broadly speaking, habaneros are considered to range from around uh, 100,000 to 300,000 on the Scoville scale. Uh, though types that are more mild or significantly more hot have been developed. Uh, the highest that I saw for a habanero was over a million. And this is still, by the way, way less hot than what, what one might call like stunt peppers. Uh, like the Carolina Reaper, which ranks in the two to three million units sort of range. Lots of those stump peppers, though, are created by interbreeding habaneros with other capsicum species. Meanwhile, for reference, more mild chili peppers, like the jalapeno, um, rank somewhere between like two and 8,000. So, you know. Hot. It is, you know, a little spicy, but like a lot less than 100 to 300,000. Yes. And so, yes, uh, the flavor of habaneros could be said to be mostly hot. Mm -hmm. But there are some just lovely, like, floral and melon and citrus notes in there. Quick aside about spice levels, uh, the compound responsible for what we call spicy heat or pungency is capsaicin, which is this chemical defense mechanism that some plants evolved that makes the nervous system of some animals, such as humans, um, think that they are actually on fire. But, like, jokes on the plant, like, we decided that we like that. <laughs> Humans are weird, you know. Gosh, we are. Um, <laughs> and, and what's going on there is that um, capsaicin activates the same nerve pathways, uh, specifically in our mucous membranes, um, that, that tell us when something is physically warm at a potentially dangerous level, like, like please stop and get away from that before you damage yourself physically warm. Um, it's not actually physically dangerous and will not hurt your skin, but but as both of us can attest, yes, it can make you feel real uncomfortable for a minute there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, a bunch of the spiciness will be in the seeds, um, which makes sense because that is the part of the plant that would, like, particularly benefit from not getting eaten or chewed up, especially by, like, mammals with chewing teeth. Um, so yeah, so if you don't like spice, leave the seeds out. Interestingly, birds do not appear to be susceptible to the effects of capsaicin, um, which means that the spread of these plants is probably done by a lot of birds, in addition huh. to humans. 
Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, uh, my mom, one of her neighbors gave her a big uh, crop of poblano peppers. Oh, uh-huh. And I was like, oh, my God, I love poblanos. And uh, later I asked her how it went. She was like, oh, you know, it was pretty good, but it was like real spicy. And I was just asking how she cooked them. And she was like, well, I just ate them, you know, whole. And I'm like, well. Well, yeah, that, that'll that'll be it. Yeah. You know, you take, <laughs> usually if you're worried about the spice, you take the membrane and seeds out. And she's like, oh, I never heard of that before. Yeah. 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 Take them out. Wash your hands. Take them out. Always yes. wash your hands. Wash Always your knives. Wash, wash your, your cutting boards. Yes. Yep. Everything. Just full. <laughs> yes. And oh, it's Scoville units also. Um, this is a totally subjective test that was developed by one Wilbur Scoville in 1912, though it is now largely carried out by more precise identification of capsaicin levels via various kinds of chromatography. I love this idea that one guy was like, that's really spicy. That one, not so much. (laughs) 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 No, it's good to know. Um, And yeah, habaneros can be used in all sorts of dishes. Um, Due to its heat, it's mostly used in small amounts as more of a spice or a seasoning than like as a whole vegetable, unless you are Annie Reese. Um, But yeah, uh, you know, uh, raw in salsas and ceviches, Cooked into sauces and soups and stews, uh, can give a kick to marinades or pickles, pairs well with both savory and sweet flavors, um, can be made into like fruity jams or jellies, modernly might be used in cocktails. Yes, and in fact, as we record this, it is Star Wars Day, and uh, one of my cocktails, Hoth and Stormy, <laughs> you can use you can use jalapenos, but I like to oh, kick it Okay, all right. Oh, man, I don't have any cocktails planned for today. Heck. Fool, Lord. <laughs> I have a big list if you need any ideas. <laughs> uh, I do have Star Wars festivities planned, but, man, okay, all right, well. Yes. Uh, well, okay. <laughs> what about the nutrition? Well, okay, uh. Hot peppers do give you a lot of flavor bang for your caloric buck. Uh, habaneros do contain a bunch of uh, vitamins and other good stuff, uh, plus a bit of fiber. You're not usually, Annie, again, I'm looking at you, eating enough <laughs> habanero for it to, like, really make a nutritional difference in your diet. But I guess if you are, you know, they they will help fill you up. Just, you know, maybe pair it with a protein and some fat to help keep you going. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I will say I do think, like, when I remember my uh, arrival experience, it is wild how it, it feels like you could breathe fire. Yeah. <laughs> it is burning <laughs> every breath you take. Yeah. fire. Like, yeah. I'll have another one once this pain passes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's your your body thinks that you are on fire. That is that is what is happening in there. <laughs> you silly well, body, mammal, don't eat that. <laughs> get on board because I'm not changing my ways. Um, we don't have too many numbers for you, but we do have a few. Mm-hmm. Mexico's Yucatan Peninsula is the largest producer of habaneros, where about 1,400 acres or about two square miles are dedicated to growing them. Um, And there is a lot of genetic uh, variety there. At least 40 genotypes are agriculturally produced in the area. I saw that Spain and the Netherlands follow up with the second and third largest export shares and values. 
How interesting. Hard agree. Um, and, and the United States does import the most. Hmm. That's actually something I've been thinking about as I have been eating my peppers with hot sauce. Is uh, <laughs> kind of like what people might call hot sauce people. Um, yeah. And just how that's become, a thing. at least to me, yeah, a much bigger thing in the U.S. recently. We touched on that briefly in the history. But speaking of, we do have some history for you. We do, but first we've got a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Glow with your best skin. Be confident in your skin. Be brave in your skin. With Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash, cover your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. Olay Body is a proud sponsor and supporter of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride, raising funds and support for the LGBTQ community. Olay Body wants you to feel empowered to live with confidence in your own skin, not just all month, but all year long. And when you feel the best in your skin, you can do anything. So this pride glow with confidence with the help of Olay Body. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Happy Pride! Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. We've talked in a bunch of different episodes about facets of Puerto Rican cuisine, um, like the dish mofongo, made of savory, deep-fried mashed plantains studded with some kind of tasty protein, and the creation of the cool, creamy pina colada. But there is so much more there. Um, I've actually never been. You have a tiny bit of experience, don't you? Yes. Unfortunately, it was a very tiny bit of experience. Mm -hmm. I was there for about a day. I'm kicking myself for that now. I remember having delicious rums, delicious drinks. But I want to go back because, yeah, so many episodes we do on here, when we're talking about food from Puerto Rico, I want that. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> it sounds amazing. We're trying to get a savor team trip yeah. together. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, I mean, we're, we're trying to get a trip to a lot of places, but this is, yeah. this is really top of the list. Even putting together this ad read made me hungry. I was like, oh, oh, I want to try those things. Yeah, as we've talked about before, there are influences there from African and Spanish and native Taino foodways. The culinary scene sounds amazing, and we want to go, and I'm hungry. No me passport too. is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. You can learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Westholm. I'm a person who doesn't really cook with a lot of meat, to be honest, because when I do, I want it to be special. I'm the same, and I do love sharing that food with people. And I have to say, we received some product, some steak, mm -hmm. and I am very eager to share it with my friends. 
Yeah, uh, West Home sent us uh, a few of their products, and they included these gorgeous, gigantic tomahawk steaks that I, like, opened the box and immediately sent a picture to my best grilling friend, like, hang out soon. Yes, I did too. (laughs) West Home offers these beautifully marbled steaks because they have 16 million acres of rangeland across the northeast corner of Australia, from Brisbane to Darwin. They use a nature-led approach with the belief that if they balance the needs of their cattle with the needs of their environment, both can thrive. Their cattle graze on native grasses like Mitchell grass, which is found only in Australia, and roam wild, foraging at will for the first two to three years of their lives. The result is Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of northern Australia and a quality that would complement whatever you're into cooking right now. West Home believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholme.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash savor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. Just a quick note before we get into this one, this history section. There's a lot of conflicting information out there about the habanero. Okay. Uh, yeah. Try to consolidate it into a a sensible that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's it's one of those things where like someone made a very large mistake at a certain yes. point in history, and so tracing everything backwards and forwards from that point, like, you kind of have to come back around to it and, like, recognize what ripple effects were occurring because of that. The habanero effect. The habanero effect. That's the horror movie we that- need. <laughs> <laughs> oh, interesting. Like a very food-based horror movie. Okay. Why? Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> we really, We really need to. Yes. Yes, yes. We get our uh, horror, our food-based horror movie production company up and running soon. I mean, <laughs> horror-based cookbooks as well. Come on, <gasps> yes. Come on, yes. I'm so into that. <laughs> okay, you and me and Ben Bolin need to have a meeting <laughs> instead of a meeting. <laughs> I'm ready. So. Habaneros originated in the Amazon region of South America, possibly as far back as 6,500 BCE. An intact pod estimated to be 8,500 years old was found in a Peruvian cave. Historians postulate that the Mayans incorporated habaneros into their food and may have even crossbred them to produce stronger, larger peppers. Ancient Mesoamerican settlers developed a taste for peppers, and as they spread out, they took habaneros with them. And yes, as Lauren said, birds are believed to have been a big part of spreading these peppers as well. From South America, habanero cultivation reached Mexico, where it really flourished. Migrations of indigenous peoples introduced it to the Caribbean sometime between 250 and 1000 CE, though it's unclear how successfully or not it took off there. By 1000 CE, it had been domesticated throughout the Caribbean, Central, and South America. When Columbus arrived and discovered habaneros... Discovered. Yes, in heavy quotes. He brought them back to Portugal, and from there, they were introduced to Africa. The British, Spanish, and particularly Portuguese empires spread habaneros across the world, ironically, in part for their search for peppers. So I guess that's another episode you listeners could 
Listen oh, black pepper. Yeah, yeah. Pepper. Yeah, people are like, we love this spicy thing. What else is spicy? I guess that counts. Let's do it. Sure. Right. Yeah. Similar feeling. Yeah. The habanero was so successful in places like India, for instance, it propagated far beyond the areas the Portuguese planted these plants. And by the 1700s, there was so much confusion about where habaneros came from. Taxonomists named it the Chinese pepper, the scientific name, believing its place of origin to be China. It was not. <laughs> nope. <laughs> North Africa adopted the habanero into their cuisine, and when enslaved peoples from that area were sent to the Caribbean, they adapted using the available and similar scotch bonnet pepper. One of the reasons that ingredient pops up in Caribbean recipes so often. The scotch bonnet is a cousin of the habanero that is thought to have originated in Jamaica. Also, the history on that one, very, very sparse. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. But yes, a hat (laughs) named after a hat. Uh, (laughs) The chocolate habanero is thought to have originated in the Caribbean as well. The habanero got its name from the Cuban city La Habana, or Havana in English, a city that was key in the trade of habaneros, despite the fact that they never really became a part of traditional Cuban cuisine. According to Merriam-Webster, the first known recorded use of habanero in this context occurred in 1972, which to me feels extremely recent. So recent. Goodness. Um, Also, uh, yes, you you might have heard uh, habanero pronounced habanero, and Mm -hmm. uh, and that's yeah, like a like a uh, oh gosh, what would the word be? Like a malapropism? No, Uh, something similar to that. It's it's just a just a phoneme mix up um, from words like jalapeno, which does have the ny. Habanero does not. Nope. As we've discussed in previous episodes, things like immigration and the growing popularity of cuisines like Tex-Mex in the U.S. throughout the 20th century led to an increased awareness of and appreciation for ingredients like habaneros in the United States. On top of that, the affinity for hot sauce and heat has risen when it comes to the American palate at large. In fact, in the last 15 years or so, Americans' love of heat in their food has increased, expanding from popular hot sauces that have cult-like followings. We talked about that in the Sriracha episode, and I believe in the uh, Louisiana hot sauce Mm -hmm. episode, um, to expanding to lesser-known independent hot sauces, many of those hot sauces that do include habanero. Those are my favorites, by the way. Yes. I love them, too. Uh, But yeah, this is something I'd love to come back to, is just that kind of why do people like hot sauce and heat. Yeah. And then this, to me, it seems like a pretty rapid expansion of, in the United States of this, like. Yeah, well, it's that safe danger thing. Yeah. It's it's like this gives me this a little bit of of adrenaline rush, but is not actually going to harm me, even though it might really feel like it's gonna. Right. (laughs) But yeah. um, Yeah, and I, and I find, I, I, I need to have some more scientific uh, method of determining this, but I find that habaneros um, bother my stomach less than um, capsicum anum related chili peppers. So huh. um, I don't know. <laughs> maybe maybe it's like really wishful thinking. In general, mm-hmm. the spicier the pepper, the better. So anyway, that is interesting. Lauren's guts aside, cool. <laughs> cool story, Lauren. 
That is the one funny thing about liking spicy things is I feel like that's sort of implied. <laughs> oh no, be I mean, I mean, see, like, 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 sweet peppers are much more of a danger zone for me than spicy peppers. Like, sweet peppers mm-hmm. are what give me terrible indigestion. Um, spicy mm-hmm. peppers are basically fine. The human body, it's a, it's a complicated mystery in there. There's clearly some kind of protein that just, like, whatever it is about my gut, like, just never learned how to digest it. And it's like this, why? Why is this here? We cannot do anything with this, and you shall suffer. (laughs) That feels like a a fairy tale curse. Like, it's like, (laughs) I curse this child to never like anything sweet, only spicy hellfire. What? What fey queen did I piss off as an infant? <laughs> you mean to get to the bottom of it, Lauren? Oh, no. Or else. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Speaking of or else, um, <laughs> Guinness World Records named the habanero, specifically the Red Savina habanero, as the world's hottest chili at 577,000 Scoville units from 1994 to 2006. But... It has, yes, since been dethroned. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, The Red Savina Habanero was selectively bred in California fairly recently, but the story is surprisingly tough to pin down. Um, The popular version is that a man named Frank Garcia wanted to find a way to produce habaneros cheaply in the United States for his company, GNS Spices. Uh, So while he was out in the plot of habaneros, Garcia noticed a bright red one. That stood out. Um, So he picked it and, as the story goes, kind of forgot about it for a while, but then started crossbreeding with this habanero, eventually arriving at the Red Savina habanero. Yeah, there's there's been lots of work in breeding new varietals. Um, in 2006, this extra spicy, bright, bright orange type called Tiger Paw NR debuted. Um, Researchers created it to, A, yes, appeal to consumers who like spice. Um, It has been clocked at over 348,000 Scoville units. And B, uh, okay, so so that NR in the name stands for nematode resistant. Um, Nematodes being these microscopic worms that live in soil, it can cause just serious damage to plant roots. Um, And you can treat the soil, but that's expensive and not very environmentally friendly. So developing plants that are naturally resistant to nematode damage is a priority in a lot of different agricultural research. Um, And yeah, they achieved it, in this case, by crossing a typical old habanero with a resistant scotch bonnet. <laughs> oh, scotch bonnet. <laughs> um, <laughs> for his doctoral program, Cornell University plant breeder Michael Mazurek created a heatless habanero called a habanada in 2007. This is a great pun. I love this pun. If, it's excellent. If you are unfamiliar, if you're totally unfamiliar with Spanish, the word nada means, like, nothing. Uh, so, habanada. Anyway, <laughs> please it's continue. Really <laughs> <laughs> um, he got the idea after encountering a heatless pepper that behaved differently than expected genetically. It didn't taste very good by all accounts, so he crossed it with a habanero. And I've heard eating them is a real interesting experience. Like you're expecting the heat and your mouth might water 
in anticipation, but it never comes. Yeah, because like that that original, that or that, not original, but like first scent of habanero that you get that's kind of like fresh and fruity is going to make you think, right, burning shall follow, but it does not. Um, and the researchers were specifically looking to get people thinking about how crops are intentionally developed um, in order to create these specific effects. And <laughs> hard pivot, but uh, here's <laughs> something I never thought I'd be talking about on an episode uh, on habaneros, and perhaps the show in general. Um <laughs> <laughs> in, in a 2016 episode of Bachelor in Paradise, Evan and Carly, names mean nothing to me, but I assume they mean something to a lot of you, set the Guinness World Record for longest, hottest kiss. After they ate a habanero and kissed for one minute and 41 seconds, Carly puked after and apparently said Gosh. she thought Evan was unattractive at the time. But then I guess they got married. Also, right. I think that was their second try. I don't think they succeeded on the first try. Huh. Uh, and yeah, I learned a lot about kissing world records set in the Bachelor universe researching this episode on habaneros. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yep. Uh, you never, you never know where the research is going to take you, mm -hmm. and I, I just feel like morally obligated to put in here, like no shade to anyone who enjoys watching or participating in this sort of thing, but like this entire Bachelor cinematic universe seems to be just a really major exemplification of like, are the straights okay? <laughs> Are they, <laughs> are they doing <laughs> all right? What's going on there? I will oh, say, no. I have a a memory I try to keep in the back shelves of my brain, but I once threw up right after a kiss all over a guy. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, well. It happens. <laughs> it happens did. to the best of us. I did tell him I didn't feel well. <laughs> <laughs> there was a warning. <laughs> Um, that's not the first story I've heard about something like that happening. So, oh, so you're not, you're not alone, Annie. Thank uh, you. Okay. There's no habanero involved. Well, <laughs> well, look, Evan and Carly did that to themselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or I don't know if the produce, how involved the producers were at any rate. Um, moving on, uh, <laughs> Some fun research out of Mexico in 2020 um, showed that habanero uh, concentrations or extracts are particularly good at helping isolate silver nanoparticles out of silver nitrate salt. Um, silver nanoparticles uh, being useful in making some types of lab equipment. Um, they're also the schmancy antibacterial coating in your schmancy podcaster's schmancy underpants. Um, among other antibacterial applications. Um, they're not, not just for underwear anymore. Uh, and I don't understand the nanophysics like extremely well, but from what I can gather, um, you, you want to use substances of a certain pH level and a certain antioxidant content when you're isolating silver ions be because you're breaking down silver nitrate salts to obtain the nanoparticles of silver, but you also want to stabilize them. And the antioxidants in 
a antioxidant-rich fruit like a habanero can help do that. Um, that's why stuff containing antioxidants is said to be good for you because, like, they can help prevent the breakdown of stuff in your body, um, which helps prevent cellular damage, which can help prevent a lot of uh, various conditions and diseases. I am summarizing hardcore <laughs> on on both of these things, um, but yeah, there you go. More more environmentally friendly, economically viable, nano silver. Thanks, habaneros. Thanks, habaneros. <laughs> nano silver. Wow, we went from <laughs> Bachelor in Paradise <laughs> to nano silver. <laughs> wow. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the well, the experience of a habanero. You never know. Yeah, you never know what you're gonna get. How spicy it's going to be. And and I guess that's also the experience of savor in general. You never know how spicy we're going to be. That is true. That is true, Lauren, especially. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, uh, that's approximately what we have to say about habaneros today. It is, but we do have some listener mail for you. We do, which we will get into after we get back from one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. Glow with your best skin. Be confident in your skin. Be brave in your skin. With Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash, cover your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. Olay Body is a proud sponsor and supporter of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride, raising funds and support for the LGBTQ plus community. Olay Body wants you to feel empowered to live with confidence in your own skin, not just all month, but all year long. And when you feel the best in your skin, you can do anything. So this pride glow with confidence with the help of Olay Body. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Happy Pride! Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. We've talked in a bunch of different episodes about facets of Puerto Rican cuisine, um, like the dish mofongo, made of savory, deep-fried mashed plantains studded with some kind of tasty protein, and the creation of the cool, creamy piña colada. But there is so much more there. Um, I've actually never been. You have a tiny bit of experience, don't you? Yes. Unfortunately, it was a very tiny bit of experience. <laughs> I was there for about a day. I'm kicking myself for that now. I remember having delicious rums, delicious drinks. But I want to go back because, yeah, so many episodes we do on here, when we're talking about food from Puerto Rico, I want that. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> it sounds amazing. We're trying to get a savor team trip yeah. together. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, we're, we're trying to get a trip to a lot of places, but this is, yeah. this is really top of the list. Even putting together this ad read made me hungry. I was like, oh, oh, I want to try those things. Yeah, as we've talked about before, there are influences there from African and Spanish and native Taino foodways. The culinary scene sounds amazing, and we want to go, and I'm hungry. No me passport too. is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. You can learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride and the queer community all year. 
Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Westholm. I'm a person who doesn't really cook with a lot of meat, to be honest, because when I do, I want it to be special. I'm the same, and I do love sharing that food with people. And I have to say, we received some product, some steak, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I am very eager to share it with my friends. <laughs> yeah, uh, West Home sent us uh, a few of their products, and they included these gorgeous, gigantic tomahawk steaks that I, like, opened the box and immediately sent a picture to my best grilling friend, like, hang out soon. <laughs> yes, I did too. <laughs> Westholm offers these beautifully marbled steaks because they have 16 million acres of rangeland across the northeast corner of Australia, from Brisbane to Darwin. They use a nature-led approach with the belief that if they balance the needs of their cattle with the needs of their environment, both can thrive. Their cattle graze on native grasses like Mitchell grass, which is found only in Australia, and roam wild, foraging at will for the first two to three years of their lives. The result is Wagyu beef that reflects the terroir of northern Australia and a quality that would complement whatever you're into cooking right now. Westholm believes that when nature leads, flavor follows. Learn more at westholm.com slash savor. That's W-E-S-T-H-O-L-M-E dot com slash savor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with... I meant to do an over 9,000 joke, and then I we moved on. So I thought I'd try to put it in here. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah. No, it was starting that way. It didn't finish that way. But, you well, know, to be fair, most Dragon Ball Z episodes never really arrive at the conclusion until several years have passed. <laughs> And you're unsure what the original plot was anymore. You're like, are we still doing the one punch? It's still the same punch. It's been four episodes. It's still, okay, it's still the same punch. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Get it. No, I appreciate that. Uh. <laughs> I had some fun times growing up watching that. And then the first like 20 minutes, me and my friend would be on the landline phone together. And it's just like recap. <laughs> and then maybe a little bit happens at the end. but Maybe. Good times. <laughs> it's still still a fun time. Yeah. Oh, speaking of fun times. Shannon wrote, When I saw that your latest episode was about root beer, I squealed a little bit because root beer has a special place in my heart. My mom and I travel a lot together, and we like to taste test the craft root beers we find at mom and pop Ooh. general stores, local breweries, farm-to-table restaurants, etc., wherever we go. We have found some amazing root beers along the way, and the tasting experience is always fun for us. My mom and I had to cancel our planned trip to the Smokies last year for obvious reasons. But late in the year, we decided to rent a house in the middle of nowhere in the Catskills, driving and meeting there from our respective locations in Michigan and Massachusetts after getting tested and quarantining, of course. We spent two glorious weeks in a roundhouse in the woods, and I decided that during that time, I wanted to try my hand at making root beer of my own. 
I bought all the supplies ahead of time, special ordering the sassafras, root bark, and sarsaparilla root, along with the bottling kit and other ingredients like wintergreen tea and distilled water, since normal tap water has chemicals that will likely kill the yeast. The only thing I wasn't able to find was brewer's yeast, so I bought regular yeast from the baking aisle at the grocery store. It'll make bacteria poop just as well, right? (laughs) Big mistake. The first batch I made exploded out of the bottle when I opened it, sending a geyser of fizzy herbal water shooting 10 feet into the air in the middle of the kitchen of the house we were renting. (laughs) My mom and I just stood there with dumbfounded looks on our faces before bursting into laughter and settling in to clean it all up. It went everywhere. The walls, the floors, the counters, me... We ended up opening the rest of the bottles outside and shooting them off the edge of the deck. (laughs) What little liquid remained inside was not good. It tasted like liquid bread from the baker's yeast with a nice minty finish. Oh. uh, I tried two more times to make a worthwhile root beer with little success, so I think I'll just leave it to the professionals. (laughs) Well, that's a a delightful memory you created, at least. (laughs) That is. That is, that's that's fun with pressurization and, fun. and yeast growth. And yes. <laughs> it's very sciencey. I've I've really been appreciating people writing in about their honestly so far failures <laughs> or interesting experiences <laughs> trying to brew root beer. But those are the elements of pressure and uh yeah, the yeast and hey, uh you put in the effort. You did. Uh, you tried. You tried a new thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have faith in you. Like, I, I totally understand if you want to leave it to the professionals, but I think... Oh, heck, yeah. I think you could do it. Yeah. Or mm-hmm. Maybe maybe with brewer's yeast. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, But no, no, no. Uh, there, there's a reason why these things are, are often left to professionals, and that's why humans specialize. Yes. Yeah. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Rose wrote, I am sure by now you've heard from many non-North Americans about their distaste or love, question mark, of root beer. (laughs) Let me lend my voice and experience to the dissenters among them. Oh, uh, and, I, and I did want to put in here uh, uh, this this one for anyone who's sensitive to stories about vomit. Um, I didn't. <laughs> we didn't mean to make this episode like like really oh. <laughs> vomit heavy, but uh-huh. this this listener mail does have a. Uh, uh, a few mentions of it, so if you're very sensitive to that, maybe maybe just skip this one. Uh, mm-hmm. To continue, growing up in Stuttgart, Germany, we have both mouthwash and certain kinds of over-the-counter cough medicines that have a medicinal taste like root beer. I recall distinctly a cough syrup I was given as a child that I would call a root beer concentrate flavor. As one of the key flavors is licorice, and I detest anything that tastes like licorice, my stomach always began to churn when I had to take it, and I invariably threw up. From the time I was about five or six years old, I began moving back and forth between Seattle in the U.S. and Stuttgart, Germany, about every six months or so. Making friends was hard as a result, and cultural differences between the U.S. and West Germany was always a jarring experience. As English was my third language, my adjustment time in the U.S. always seemed to lag compared to when I returned to Germany. However, I did slowly pick up on things in the U.S., like the coveted birthday invitation from a classmate, or even more sacred, an invitation to a birthday party at a magical place called Chuck E. Cheese. I would listen to classmates rattle on about pizza, animatronic shows, games, rides, and so on. 
To be honest, I confused Chuck E. Cheese with Disneyland. As Euro Disney didn't open in France until the early 90s, I thought Disneyland existed everywhere in the U.S., and this was some kind of local Disneyland extension. Then, when I was about seven, it happened. I got my first invitation to a birthday party, and at Chuck E. Cheese, no less. I could hardly believe it. Learning and understanding English at this point was still a struggle for me, so this felt like my first true sign of acceptance. My grandmother dressed me in my best party dress. Needless to say, I was overdressed for romping around in an indoor playground, and I made the birthday girl cry because my dress was better than hers. I found the animatronic animals frightening, and when it came time to eat and drink, well, that was problematic too. I guess the ultimate combo for children's birthday parties was pepperoni pizza and root beer. Details I had missed listening to my classmates. Being Jewish, I could not eat the pizza, and the only beverage offered was a brown liquid that I assumed was Coca-Cola because Coca-Cola was from America. Furthermore, I had never really enjoyed pop of any kind. I looked to see if another beverage was available, but no, only Coca-Cola. Being a well-raised child, when an adult plopped down a slice of pizza and a glass of pop, I did my best to eat around the pepperoni, but then I took a drink. This was not Coca-Cola. This smelled of medicine. This, this root beer? I could not believe they gave me a tall glass of medicine. All the excitement and anxiety that had built up trying to be a good guest fit in, and the noise and the lights of the stage show finally became too much. My stomach churned, and I threw up all over the table, covering the pepperoni pizza and the two kids across from me who immediately burst into tears and began to scream at the top of their lungs. This, my friends, was my first taste of root beer. Oh, dear. Fast forward to my early 20s. (laughs) time on a college ski trip to British Columbia, Canada. Still not a big fan of root beer or pop in general, I did come to love the other offerings at A&W. Their burgers and fries are really good, and living in the U.S. long enough, I know root beer is ubiquitous with floats. Hungry after a long day on the slopes, my friends and I see an A&W on the side of the road, and many of them pipe up they would love nothing more than a root beer float. Obliging, I pull over and we walk in. And wow, this was like no A&W we had seen before. They had real tableware, like plates you could break, forks and knives made of metal. There was a lot of bilingual uh, English-French advertisements for fried chicken for some reason. This place was filled with elderly locals that seemed to treat the A&W like the town meeting center. But the real kicker here was no root beer floats. That's right, A&W had root beer, but no ice cream, and thus no root beer floats. Remember, I don't even like root beer, but my friends and I had never heard of an A&W not serving root beer floats. The server was baffled. We would even want such a thing, which was all the more confusing. On top of all of that, the entire restaurant of elderly people went silent and watched us in our disbelief. Finally, we were so shaken, we just ordered some fries and left. Even now, I have unfortunate run-ins with root beer. A very sweet elderly client of mine loves to give me cans of her favorite pop, a a stevia-based ginger root beer. As always, being the good guest, I accept graciously as possible. Fortunately, with COVID, I cannot drink the dreaded beverage in front of her anymore. As on top of everything else, I also detest alternative sweeteners. The curse of the root beer, indeed. Oh, gosh. That was heckin' epic. <laughs> oh, what a Very tale. Very well written. I felt your uh, child anguish. 
Yeah. Within me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Man, man, those, even, I, I will, even growing up in like a relatively single culture, uh, being a very anxious child, uh, yeah, yeah, lots of social anxiety around birthday parties and like how to behave and what to, yeah, just all the stuff. You weren't yeah. alone. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, for some reason, this reminded me of, I had a good friend who I felt like, you know, it was like the age seven to nine. And I did have a party at Chuck E. Cheese and it was the best. But um, her party, I, she always just seemed more put together than me. And I gave her this gift that I really liked. And she uh, kind of just tossed it aside. Oh, no. So I stole it back. <laughs> I stole it. And I still think about it to this day. Wow. Did she notice? I don't know. I don't know. Mm. I don't think I got away with it. I don't think I was as clever as I believed I was. I feel like most children are not. <laughs> I feel like most humans are not. <laughs> well, because I didn't have like a purse or anything. So I'm trying to remember how I got it back home without my mom being like, isn't that the gift? <laughs> that I bought for your friend? <laughs> right. For you to give to your friend whose birthday it is? Yeah. Yeah. I think I said it was a party favor. <laughs> oh, not good. Not good at all. Oh, <laughs> but gosh. yes, children's birthday parties, source of anxiety. Fraught, agreed. Fraught with anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. Oh, heck. Oh, heck indeed. Uh, yeah, loving these root beer emails. A lot of people wrote in about Blue Crab, which has been amazing. Um, oh, yeah. We're excited to share those in the future. In the meantime, Thanks, as always, to both of those listeners for writing in. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at saverpod, and we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection, obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico is home to a thriving culinary scene based on products and traditions from the native Taino, African, and Spanish peoples that have influenced it. When you go, there are a host of restaurants, bars, breweries, distilleries, farms, and coffee houses to dig into, from five-star experiences to local favorites. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.
Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash covers your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized, soft and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. For the third year, Olay Body is a proud sponsor of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride and supporter of the LGBTQ plus community. So this pride glow with confidence, not just all month, but all year long. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to have supervision, enhanced hearing, extraordinary reflexes, to be, dare we say, superhuman? Well, Roku's new Pro Series TV can't do any of that for you. But with a 4K screen, side-firing speakers, and a blazing fast refresh rate, It'll sure feel like it. Elevate your entertainment using all your favorite apps like iHeart and play all your music, radio, and podcasts with the new Roku Pro Series. Your senses aren't better. Your TV is. 